So welcome to Adventures in White. And today we have a very special guest and one I hope may become a mini series for my fledgling podcast. Now, I remember first meeting my guest while ordering a medium sized cotton chips in cows, which I'm sure a lot of people would have done. But when I think of, the, of my life, I think I'm pretty busy. But I'm going to remember that my guest today not only runs the catering at one of the island's largest factories, he has his own fish and chip shop. He is also a councillor for Cows North and stood as the Labour candidate in the 2019 general election, coming second. My guest today is the very nice, and I'd also add very funny, Richard Quigley. Richard, welcome to Adventures of White. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ben. Very funny. I think I take that as the biggest compliment anyone could ever say. I'd take that over anything else and not necessarily everyone would agree, including my well, wife. I remember when we organised a comedy night, Richard, and you were the sellout gig. Well, I think. I'll take that. I'll take, take, it. take it. Richard, really appreciate you taking the time. Busy guy. So thanks a lot for coming on to our podcast. And that's really going to be my first question. I've got so much to ask you, but as the introduction alluded, you've got so much on your plate, right? You're running this catering at Vestas. That's right, yeah. I think. You've got the yeah. fish and chip shop. You're a councillor. You stood in the election. Just a really simple first question. Richard, how on earth do you fit all this stuff in? If you ask my wife, she'd say he doesn't. It's one that nobody's superhuman. So thank you for saying that. I do fit it all in. Again, everybody will say it, but have great people around you. And I'm really lucky. I've got some really great people working with me. But also pick the stuff that, that's interesting to you, but also pick the stuff that needs doing. So it's, you all know, Ben, it's dead easy to get bogged down with stuff that's not important. And I've just, I'm fairly lucky at being able to work out what is and isn't important, which is a coded word of saying, I'll just do enough. Yeah, just do enough. <laughs> I totally agree with you having good people around you. It's impossible to do multiple things just on your own, isn't it? Absolutely. Or you do it really badly, right? So. Yeah, and I remember some years ago, somebody saying to me, oh, I never ask anyone to do something I won't. And I said, well, you'll never move forward then. Nothing will ever get any better. You want people around you that are better at you. All of the team around me are better fit than me. That's why they're there. <laughs> and I've got no shame in saying that. I, I read a great book, I think it's by a guy called Stephen Covey. And he said, yeah. when you're in a sort of startup business, or whatever it is, a bit like I am, he said, your job, the founder, is to make yourself redundant. So put people yeah. around you who are, as you said, better than all the stuff that you can do. You know? yeah. Some of all the parts has to be better, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, you know, I don't take any insult from that, really. In fact, if it's, it's one of the nicest things is when some of your team say, oh, it's not a bad idea, Rich, but really... And you go, yeah, fantastic. Thanks for that. Excellent. Look, Richard, I'm really interested in your story. I've wanted to get you on this podcast really since I thought about it. Actually, I'm going to be brutally honest. I want to get all the candidates from the 2019 general election onto the podcast. I'm a bit of a political nerd, so I think it's fan service for me. But also, yeah. <laughs> hopefully this could be interesting for people that are listening to it as well. But let's let's go back to the early days. You started out with a career in engineering. I did as well, actually. Where we changed and diverged is you ended up owning a fish and chip shop and going into politics and I didn't. So what's the story there? How do you move from engineering in, into fish and chips and then politics? Walk me through it. It was, I was very lucky. At the age of 31, we'd, I'd changed jobs. Both me and my wife met in a company called Britvic Soft Drinks, which made Pepsi, Tango and other soft drinks. And they were great. It was a great graduate training scheme, really looked after me, did really well, both of us. And then I had the idea that just as Leah got pregnant with our first one, that I'd changed jobs and got a job as a supply chain director at a company called Jewers Jam in Manchester. And as it turns out, it wasn't a good fit. And it's a long story short is I decided it wasn't the place for me. And I think they probably agreed. 
And so I'd had this idea of going in, buying, as a lot of people do, you go, no, I'll do, I'll wait, till I get, wait till I'm 40 and I'll buy a restaurant because it looks easy. Oh. And we just brought it forward and we did. We ended up buying a fish and chip shop. My father-in-law is the window cleaner in Cows. And while we were looking at our options, he said, Corrie's cabins for sale. And I was a bit like, oh, fish and chip shop. And if I'm honest, it's the best thing we've ever done. And I still wake up every day very proud of the fact we did it. And I'm very proud of, of everybody that we've got working there because it's really, it was really important to me and Leah that we did it well. But also it's a business, whichever way you look at it. And it's not romantic. It's not, a, it's not an exciting industry necessarily to be in. But I absolutely loved it. And it's taught me a hell of a lot about business that I thought I already knew, which I quite clearly didn't. But the other thing about coming to the island is it's because it's quite close knit and small is whatever you want to do, you can do really quickly. And you probably found this, Ben. So that's why I got into stand up as well, because I've just been wanting to do it for ages and give Leah a weekend off, bless her, of having to listen to my crap jokes. And on the island, it was quite simple. Came across Hannah George, who just graduated as the first female uh, comedy graduate from Southampton University, set up a comedy club. And that was it. We did seven years of enjoyable stand up. So that then takes me to why do I end up in politics? Because I wasn't good enough at standard. I'm sure there's a there's a mega segue, isn't there, from comedy to politics? Yeah. But I'll let yeah. the listeners figure that out. Yeah, they can work it out themselves. And getting involved in politics was really, I've grown up with both my mum and dad being local councillors, conservative councillors back home. And so I'd always said never, because I saw what they put themselves through, 10 o'clock at night, phone calls about dog mess and parking. And then it's one of those things as you get older, you think, hang on a minute, how can I try and put something back? And it sounds a bit like a cliche, but if people don't put themselves forward for local services, it were, it just doesn't happen. Or it doesn't be in the same person all the time. So I'm very lucky to win the seat in Cows North. And if I'm honest, I thoroughly enjoy it because I've realised I'm pretty good at being the only Labour councillor and being a pain in the bum. It's uh, <laughs> something that comes naturally. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about the fish and chip shop, actually, because that's so fascinating to me. I love Corey's Cabin, but I only really seem to go to Corey's Cabin when there's a queue about six miles long, <laughs> winding down Cows High Street, probably during Cows Week. Yeah, And I walk in and it's this serene chaos, right? There's this yeah. kind of organisation of this team working together, food flying all over the place, those type of events, big yeah. Cows Week when you're so busy. Surely that's got to be better than running a restaurant, doesn't it? That's got to be that's yeah. exciting, isn't it? It is. And it's the, I think it's probably the same rush you get from running a busy restaurant is it's all about the organisation. So my engineering yeah. was in manufacturing engineering, what used to be called production engineering. So it was all about product flow and efficiencies and stuff. So when it's really busy, it is, and you probably noticed, with a good team in, it is actually a really fun place to be. It's, it is tiring. It is. I don't think people appreciate that it is. There is a skill involved. I'm bound to say that the skill is not mine. It's the it's the people doing all the hard work. But it's great, and it is. You're right. It's like a serene chaos, and you get to the end of a busy night, and you look, and you've done sort of four times a normal evening for the rest of the year, and you think, yeah, we're good at this. Yeah, yeah. We, it's worthwhile. We enjoy it. Your point about your fact your parents who are conservative local councillors. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask big question. And you maybe you alluded to it that the fact you like being a pain in the ass. Did we keep our clean podcast rating for that? I don't know. We'll worry about that <laughs> we later. That one, we might have to cut that a bit. So why Labour? Why didn't you follow your parents' footsteps? Why be the only Labour candidate where you are? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one because growing up as a you know in a conservative family. I just thought that was where it was under Thatcher. I just thought that's how things were. I remember clearly the miners' strike at the age of what, 11, 12. We were in Nottinghamshire and on the border between Yorkshire and Nottinghamshire. So there was quite a lot of agitation between the striking and non striking miners. My uncle was a policeman at the time. 
So you know, that's just what I thought happened and went through that. And then I eventually was lucky enough to get to university almost by accident because I got pretty poor A-levels, but got into an engineering degree. And then you start to have your own opinions. And the thing that really started to change my mind was the poll tax and the poll tax riots. Because something just was like, what's, what, why aren't people just accepting this? Sure, this is just what happens. And then people, you talk to people and people's opinions change your mind of where you thought your nice, comfortable life was. And you go, hang on, this isn't right, actually. Just because this wasn't particularly affecting me doesn't mean I shouldn't be exercised by it. So that's when I went on the first March. And oh, then cool. after that, yeah, after that, it started seeping in. And my parents would start seeing it more on visits home. And then eventually it was very clear that my values were aligned with the left and of the Labour Party. I can't get away from that now, if I'm honest. It's not something I've chose. It, 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 your outlook chooses you, doesn't it? So... That's where yeah, I, went, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask that. It's interesting that you, your parents started noticing that. I guess yeah. there wasn't some sort of big coming out party. Hey, mum and dad. <laughs> Felt like it. Yeah, I've got good news and bad news. Good yeah. news, I'm really into politics. Bad news, not <laughs> yeah. your politics. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, how did they react to that? I think they just thought, oh, he'll grow out of it. And I do right. actually remember mum saying, my now wife, they blamed two things on Leah. One was the fact I started wearing glasses. And the other was that I'd become very left wing. <laughs> I mean, if you think both of those through, neither makes sense. But it, I think it's just the I cannot bear even now. And I do thank my mum and dad for this because they share the same sense. It just takes them a different journey. Is I cannot bear injustice and inequality. It yeah. absolutely drives me crazy. You know, and I, and I appreciate how very lucky I am. And I know I'm in a very lucky position. But I can't bear the thought of people that aren't, the people that feel helpless. Uh, and don't have the voice I've been able to get by growing up in a nice middle-class family. A lot of people don't get that chance. And to me, it feels really important that I engage with the, with people who, you know, well, they're my friends, my friends, my neighbours, yeah. uh, that, that haven't got the same opportunities I've got. And I think it's really important that, that voice is always heard. You look at even local politics, it's very much a particular type of person that goes into local politics. We need single mums in politics but it's quite difficult for them to be able to do it and juggle everything we really need to get real proper representation so that's what yeah, drives me on depth on the bench i guess is yeah. the thing. Um, that social justice point yeah. is really interesting as we're living in what can only be described as tumultuous times yeah. and that's definitely going to keep the clean rating i think i had to just bite my tongue there for a moment and you but we see it everywhere don't we so it must be quite frustrating for you at the moment to see everything that's going on in the world spot well, in the uk particularly yeah it is because in, in 200 years time when they write the history of this period and we'll say we let people go cold die and probably starve and the first question i ask is oh was there a problem with providing food and the answer will be no there's a problem with providing money I hope by that point, people realise just how ridiculous that sounds. Is for people to go hungry, just, we view, we should view money as a resource like everything else rather than a reward, but we're not in that society. We're not in that level of equality. But the idea that a sovereign nation that has control of its own money and has its own bank can go bankrupt or run out of money is nonsense. That's when they compare uh, the government's finances to household finances, it's correct until a point until you go, yeah, but how come dad's got his own printing machine and he's allowed to buy a brand new Porsche and we're all starving? And that's the situation the government's in, is that there's more money in the country today than there was yesterday and there'll be more money in the country tomorrow than there is today, but it's not in any way, shape or form distributed evenly. And that's what keeps driving me forward because it, the, the problem has an answer 
We just need people to agree that the answer's worth... Talk a bit about that general election, 2019. Yes. I think that was the last one, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't had, yeah, who knows? It feels like a we, lot more. We haven't had one since the podcast has started, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I better check that. So you stood for Labour in 2019 yeah. in a seat which is the very safe Conservative blue. We, we get to that in a moment. I've got a question about that. Yeah. But I'm really interested in the personal side. So you made the decision to stand. You've mentioned your wife a few times on this podcast, obviously your family. That what, This is the biggest job on the island, right? So it must have been an absolute roller coaster of emotions you were going through and your family were going through, putting yourself into that position. Give me a sense of what that was like. It's interesting because it is the biggest job on the island, but also it shouldn't be the biggest job on the island because it... it, it Ireland's policy is set by the council and the island's MP should be up in Westminster representing us. But so what were the emotions? Right, let's answer that question. I was very excited and I can't deny there has to be a bit level of ego involved in putting yourself forward for politics. You have to believe you can do it better than someone else. But I don't need another job. I've been very lucky. I've had two successful careers. I don't need another job. But it was very exciting. And Leah was fantastic. My wife was fantastic because she said, what's happening? What are we doing? So we've got a great team. We Julian Critchley, who stood in 2017, who, who we thank for getting the Labour vote up to where it, it, it got to that year. As, and it was only a little team of four or five of us. And Leah got out this big roll because she's an artist. She got this big roll of brown paper and put the day of the date there and the polling date. And she said, let's fill this all in because she was also an acceptable project manager, which I never was. And we just populated it all the way through. And she basically said to me every morning, get in the car about eight o'clock. I don't want to see you till dinner time. So that's what we went out, went on the road. We went around old people's homes. We went around care homes. We went to schools. We went doing pub meets. We went doing visits. Because and to me, it didn't feel like work. None of it felt like work. It didn't feel like, you know what it's like to get up in the morning when you run your own business. This felt actually, it was fun. A lot of fun. Really, I really thoroughly enjoyed it because you're talking to people who aren't coming to you with a one-dimensional problem about your business. They're coming to you with multi-dimensional problems about their lives, which you can have some impact on if you can get to a position you can start solving them so it was just great fun and I know that's probably not what I'm supposed to say in politics it's because it just didn't feel like work because it felt I felt fantastically privileged to be allowed to do it I was for six weeks the campaign for six weeks I was allowed to get up in the morning pretty much go and do and be me all day long and talk to fantastically interesting people about stuff who were interested in listening to what I said but more importantly interested in telling me what their issues were so why would you, how could that not be thoroughly enjoyable and for me that's what it's about people I do a dog walk through town every day through my constituency and people stop me quite regularly. And I'd always said, I'm never going to be like my mum. Because my mum, when we were kids, it used to take an hour to do like a 400-yard walk through town. I'd be like, Wendy, and I've got a problem with my with the pavement. I was like, never. But actually, it's really important because people need to be heard. So that bit is what I really enjoy. Being honest, the hard bit was like the long hours and coming back and the impact on the family. Because it yeah. was very selfish. I'll be honest with you. It's a very selfish thing to do. Because I'd come back and be quite exhausted. And Leah would have been holding the fort, doing all the stuff with the kids and the dogs and whatever else. And I come back and expect everyone to look at me like I was some sort of hero. And I'm not. I'm just Richard. I'm no, I'm dad. I'm Richard. I'm no, I am no, but even if I was the MP, I'm nobody special inside my own house. So it was just a really interesting and fun time. But one thing it did show me is that the island is full of amazing people. But there's also a very bleak story out there for a lot of people on the island. And I don't think people believe 
some of the problems on the island, deprivation we have in pockets, the housing crisis of currently going through, the adult social care crisis we're going through. These are real, very real problems that people need to be heard about because we need to find solutions. But does that answer your question or is that me having an opportunity to rant? Ben? No, I love those answers, actually. That's brilliant. We were chatting before the mics went on. I mentioned that I used to be a trustee of the Youth Trust and yeah. I totally understand that point that people don't really understand it so we used to have some interesting stats about the number of children on the Isle of Wight who are officially in, under the poverty line well, actually in extreme poverty mm. but I play golf I go to the golf club I sit in the pub we chat about these things and actually really are they no don't be yeah. silly of course they're not yeah and it's very easy to be dismissive of that and until you maybe point that out and just educate people then people start to see it don't they and it's everywhere right it is yes but we live in with the fifth richest nation yeah or maybe Something six like now i think it maybe might six. six but either way again the podcast has been going for a little yeah. time perhaps <laughs> that slipped as well so anyway so that that's really interesting i mentioned teams multiple times clearly you rely on your team you were doing all this stuff whilst running the business with a family yeah i mean that just carries on the myth of Richard actually that you are the busiest person on the Isle of Wight but somehow can we manage to juggle it all so you haven't debunked that at all you've made it work. <laughs> I'm gonna by the end of this hopefully people will realize I'm not even average I'm below average that, that <laughs> I've done well if people really realize that by the end brilliant brilliant talk about that election a bit more so you came second that doesn't really tell a whole story in my opinion in 2015 Labour came fourth here with 12.8 yeah. percent of the vote in 2017, Labour had 23% of the votes, so a big jump in 2017. Yeah. And in 2019, it's about the same, right? About 24%. Yeah. However, um, Bob Seeley, our current MP, actually increased his margin. And I was doing some research before we spoke, and I was flabbergasted to learn there hasn't been an MP on the island that, it, that wasn't either Liberal Democrat or Conservative since 1851. And the Conservative, so the, the MP... Before that was for, I think it was called the, the Reform Party, yeah. which is slightly scary. Yeah, different Reform Party. Yeah. Different Reform Party. That's, that, that tells a fairly bleak picture, picture, I guess, if you're a, a Labour on the Isle of Wight. So, Richard, can Labour win here? Is that ever going to happen? For easy answer, yes. And I'll tell you why. Is If you go back to 1945, the percentage share of the Labour vote was 40.7%, and it was only about 2% less than the winning Conservative vote. The majority was only two or three thousand votes. And that was after a period of war, obviously, which is very similar to where we are now post-COVID. We've got we've got a party that's been in power for far too long, which I agree with of all parties, by the way. I think 10, 11 years is long enough for any one party um, without some form of change. And people now really want the change. So 18,000 votes last time around is our biggest vote since 1950. When the constituencies are split into two, 18,500 votes on a 65% turnout wins a seat. And I know it's not as simple as transferring all our vote to one side, but speaking to someone very senior in the local Conservative Association, I won't mention their name, they were, and I believe them, because they are a bigger politics nerd than either me or you put together. They're absolutely convinced they took 6,000 Labour Brexit votes away from us last time round. So if if you take that 6,000 back, that makes the majority about 11,000 rather than 23,000 which then starts putting it into play because then with the other votes, there's enough people left voting for the parties to actually make that happen. But also this is the first time I think in recent history that people want a real change. And I think people can see that there is actually a reasonable offer that Labour are the party of business, they are the party of the economy, but most importantly, they're the party of people. 
They want people to do well. They don't want people to feel like life's going backwards, like it feels like it has done in the last 10 or 12 years. Speaking to, I think it's nine people who have bothered to contact me directly who were actual Conservative Party members who now have pledged to vote, several of which have actually joined the Labour Party. So that is a shift. That is quite a big shift. And I think people understand that it is time for a change. And the best form of change without PR, and I do support proportional representation, but without PR, the best opportunity for that change is the Labour Party. Hmm. So yes, we can, and we will. <laughs> okay, okay, so you sound pretty convinced. Let me, let's talk about the fact that the Isle of Wight is going to split into two at the next election. And I guess the number one question I've got for you, Richard, is are you planning to stand again? And if so, East or West? I'll have to put myself forward for selection, so there's no guarantee I'll get selected. If I'm fortunate enough to be selected, I'll stand in the West, because it's where I live. And as I look at a map, it actually includes East Cows at the moment. It looks like it will, and it's a bigger geographical area but the same number of electors both sides. So I'll stand in the West and I'll, again, I will feel very privileged if I do get selected, but I'm really looking forward to it, to the next election, if I'm honest. Yeah, I'd imagine we, we didn't really talk about the selection process. What's that? Is that particularly well, difficult or? If you're in a safe seat, you have this long, complicated process, which involves shortlisting and then interviews and then presenting and then doing an internal hustings. If you're in a seat like the Isle of Wight, that's not a safe seat. It's, oh, thankfully somebody's applied. Yeah. Well, who knows? Who knows? It could be, you never know. You never know. It could be 10, 15 people end up applying and I, I may not be the best candidate. So I'm not going to count anything as, as happening until it happens. Going back to my point about having depth on the bench and all sorts yeah. of other interesting people involved in politics, surely that's an absolute brilliant thing which could happen, right? There's a proper run people are selected based on merit rather than experience or whatever let's go back to your point about the fact that they can win on the islands i did a yeah. bit of a research on there's a website called poll of polls yeah and it's suggesting nearly 50 percent of the uk vote is going to go to labor which would put yeah. labor on for a win bigger than tony blair's yeah. 97 landslide now you've made lots of reasons why you think people want change so i think we've got that covered but do you think that's likely what's your kind of gut feel it, it would be very unusual and unlikely for one party to poll over 50%. And that hasn't happened in recent history, I don't think. And I think sometimes when opinion polls, because it's an easy answer, you're not changing government. I think some of it is a slap to the incumbent, whoever those they might be. But with a Conservative Party polling below 30%, I think their vote will stick around 30%. I think 30% of the electorate will always be Conservative. Part of this football team thing about I've always supported them, so I'm going to kiss, still keep supporting them, even though they've not, they're now non league and they've not even got through this first round of the FA Cup for 30 years. I'm going to keep supporting them. Um, will the Labour vote hold up enough to win? I do think it will. I don't think, again, it's, I don't think it's particularly healthy to have massive landslides. I think, unfortunately, in this case, there's quite a lot of damage to undo. So a healthy majority would be good for the first couple of years to, to put things back to normal. But I think probably the future of our politics will or should lay around coalitions and working together with like-minded parties because I think it's just it is just too dangerous. I think to, if you look where we've got now, I don't think any of us, no matter how much we were invested in politics or interested in politics, would have predicted where we are now. If we'd have done this podcast what in the middle of the mini budget, I don't. I, th- I think both of us would have been speechless. I don't think either has known what to say because you felt like you're in some sort of developing country rather than a developed country yeah well, actually that was one of the questions i wanted to come on to it's very interesting I mean, uh, and i want to talk about labor and yes. what happened in the last election but it's i heard a it's actually tony blair i listened to a podcast and he was a guest on this morning 
And he came up with a very interesting point. So at least Labour had the decency to have their nervous breakdown whilst in opposition, which and you see what's happening in our politics today. But let's go back to 2019. Did Labour lose that election or did Jeremy Corbyn lose that election? Because I make no bones about the fact I was a really big supporter of Corbyn and his policies. I think the problem with it is we've had he had two chances and those chances are now gone. So we can't live in the past. Did we lose votes because people couldn't vote for Jerry Corbyn? Yes, I know we did. And I find that a real shame. I think if, if you were to sit down with a guy, I think he's a thoroughly decent bloke. But the wider issues that were brought up and magnified, as they always are, it doesn't. It only hurts when it's your party. When it's the other side getting issues being magnified, you think, yeah, go on, stick it to them. So I think, unfortunately, for whatever reason, whilst it mobilised hundreds of thousands of younger voters, I think it did put older voters off. And that is a real shame, I think. Um, but a lot of the policies and at the time, I remember there being a, I think it was a telegraph, actually put Corbyn policies to hardened conservative voters, but with the Labour label removed. And they loved every single one of them, as they do now, like renationalising the rail, water and electricity companies. Everyone goes, yeah, bloody good idea, because it is a good idea. But the, the problem with the partisan politics is you go, it's a good idea. Who said it? Oh, no, I hate the idea of that now. It's, it's, well, it's the power of personality, isn't it? And, yeah, and I exactly. think one of the things I'm learning from our conversation is actually your personality and politics work really well. You've got that front of house. I want to talk to people. I want to hear about your problems. Mm. But when you struggle to relate, and yeah. I think a lot of, again, I mentioned the golf club, I mentioned the yeah. pub I go to, they did struggle to relate. And I think it's that sense of slight alienization that it, that yeah. that's not where I want our country to go without really a necessary understanding yeah. what it is that they're yeah, worried yeah. about. And it's unfortunately it has become politics and probably since about 1997 has really become personality based, which isn't great because you, we can see where that's dragged us in the last 10 years. Oh, the rise of populism. That, that's terrifying, actually. Yeah. There's so many yeah. parallels. But I think it seems to me as if we're weaning ourselves off that, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the adults are right. taking charge, regardless of the colour. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I think because people get to the point where they're going on, this isn't, nothing's changing. It's, whether you realise it or not, you got to try something else. Yeah, I think yeah. that's where we are. Richard, let's wrap this up. I'm conscious that I've taken the Isle of Wight's busiest man for over <laughs> half an hour. I try and keep this podcast to at least 30 minutes, though, which we just discussed beforehand is probably the longest drive you can have on the Isle of Wight. So <laughs> therefore, you can start this podcast and finish it by the time you get to work. I ask all of my guests a very simple question. Matt Chatfield thought I was trying to steal his address book, which was absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if I should ask why. That's a bit worrying. It's oh, not yeah. right. What's in it, Matt? Yeah, people have bigger addresses than I do. They know more people than I do, <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to get this podcast going. So let me ask the very simple question: Who should I invite next onto the podcast, and how should I, how do I get hold of them? Two people I thought of, and one is Dave Pontin that runs Platform One, the music college, because he's doing such an exceptional job, not just teaching kids, that's young adults, music, but actually making them feel valuable valued and valuable the guy is absolutely he's just the most incredible communicator and teacher i've ever met and the other reason one is dominic Mingella, who, who obviously no longer lives here but is here regularly and i met with him the other night and he's very keen on on helping the labor party on the island as well as other things but he's very interested in 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 the island still because he's got lots of family ties so one or both of those i guess oh, both would be fantastic and maybe, maybe we should do a panel with the pair of them, both creative guys. So. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah. Richard, final question is over to you. How do people find you online? What, you know, do you have 
not, I don't want to say things to punt, that's not quite true. But if they want to learn more about Richard, where would they? You can follow my Facebook, which is just Richard Quigley, and I've got one councillor, Richard Quigley. My email address is on the council website, but it's richard.quigley at iow.gov. Dot UK, But just however people want to come out, I actually don't mind answering a call to anyone. It, it is really how I learn really how to be a politician is listen to people's problems. So any of those methods. Or maybe pop in to Corey's cabin. Oh, well, yeah, Order. You don't see much of me in there, but yeah, they'll give you, they'll give you the contact details. <laughs> Richard, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and having a chat. It's been brilliant. And I've certainly learned a lot as well. So oh, thank yeah, you we so much. Over a beer. Carry it on. We could go for another two hours, I think. That, Right. How do I pause this recording and head to the taverners? But I'll see you there. <laughs> Richard, thanks a lot for coming. Great on. smashing. Thank you.